Some hacker is hitting our financial markets. Four major banks, and that's just what we know about. If we want clues to the hacker's identity, we need a man named Hathaway. What do we know about this guy? He's a convicted hacker serving 15 years at MIT. Genius coder. I want you to commute my sentence for identification and the apprehension of the guy you're after. Those are the terms. Um, all right. The first movie that I'll talk about um, is the movie Black Hat. Now, uh, this is a movie that I don't know if it's still in theaters. Hopefully it is. Uh, this is the latest film from director Michael Mann. Right. Uh, another uh, another pioneer of digital. Yeah. Well, you work, could say basically. that for sure. I mean, and go, this is going back 10 years ago, you know, right around the time that, you know, a, a piece of, you know what, like Penetration Angst is made. Uh, Michael Mann takes a digital camera, gets Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx, and makes Collateral. Oh yeah, which is I've, a I've seen Collateral. Movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a good little movie. Now, Black Hat is a movie. Um, he also did um, just Public just Enemies, Public Enemies, and which also, is also Miami Vice. He's right. in a lot of real guy movies, you know, Heat and uh, Last of the Mohicans and yeah, uh, both Manhunter. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, so he's had quite a career. And well, I mean, he he's had his he's had his misfires. Uh, we actually for a movie night we watched The Keep. Oh yeah, Do you remember The that? Keep. That's With a real Ian McKellen and uh, Gabriel Byrne. Oh yeah, they were in that. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't a good movie. <laughs> that was a dud. Uh, it was kind of lame. Yeah, uh, but but Black Hat is interesting because um, well, it's his first movie in a while. Um, it's since, a kind of since si- Public Enemies, right? Yeah. It's his, uh, It's a cyber. It's what we call like a cyber techno thriller, uh, where um. <laughs> now I'm like dancing because Andrew's giving me a beat. I'll stop now. Um, well, it's about these hackers who uh, cause this um, a series of disturbances at like a nuclear power plant in China, and but it's really all about. Thank stealing. God it happened in China, not here. Yeah, right? thank God. Um, <laughs> well, but the thing is, well, what happens though is that it these these guys are really going in there to steal money. I forget how exactly it how, works. How much money does but, a nuclear power plant have? No, it, but it's not so much about that. It's more about disturbing the system so that they can steal money and rig the numbers. I forget exactly how it works. They the movie opens with lots of shots of like inside the computer. Which are actually kind of cool. It shows like the camera moving as if it's going through a computer system, and the hackers have, you know, put in their bug, and you kind of see like the disturbances happen. And you see the light cycles going back yeah. and forth, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> like Tron and the solar sailor, and Jeff Bridges is there for some <laughs> reason. Yes, exactly. But at any rate, there's there's these guys are trying to rig the system, and they're also doing against the stock market. Um, really disturbing uh, uh, stocks of some kind. I forget what. I mean, the point is they need an expert to come in to crack this code uh, or something that, like, these these kind of techno-terrorists have. Uh, God, using the term techno-terrorists. <laughs> Every time I say that, Andrew's going to start it's a, making a beat. It's a bunch of Al-Qaeda members inside the disco. <laughs> Al-Qaeda, uh, the gorillas edition. Um, 
But the point is, they need a guy who can help crack Just club in every night before yes. they go on their suicide mission. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe them. Cyber, Cyber terrorists. terrorists. Thank you. Oh. I, all of our talk about the interview should have prepared me for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but they need so to get... So they call in Thor. What's his name? Chris Hemsworth. Chris they Hemsworth. call in Chris Hemsworth, who's in jail. Um, like all good uh, protagonists at the beginning of Michael Mann movies. movies. Yeah, and you know they give him. You know he demands that. All right, I'll help you with this case, uh, but you have to give me. You have to commute my sentence, and for reasons right. they do it. And so the movie kind of tracks how uh, he's trying to catch these cyber terrorists across parts of China, and you know conspiracies are revealed and. Uh, he gets into a romance with uh, a Chinese woman, uh, played by this actress Wei Tang, um, and uh, it's. Uh, I actually kind of like this movie. It's not that deep. You have to basically go into it and uh, know that some things won't be totally credible. I've heard some people. I've heard critics say that they 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 attack the movie right off the bat. That Chris Hemsworth is this. A genius hacker. Uh, you don't believe him as a hacker, do you? I believed him up to a point. I right. did. You know, I mean, he's surprisingly the, fit for a hacker. Yeah, he's not a. He's definitely not nerdy. He's he's the kind of he's the kind of hacker who can go into a computer, rig all of this code, and then you know, like all these bad guys come out and he get, come at him, and he just kicks their asses. Now that part you believe? Well, totally. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it's, um, I think the sincerity of Michael Mann's filmmaking carries this a long way. Okay. The script isn't the strongest, I'll admit that. But Hemsworth is really good in the movie. This actress, Wei Tang, is also good. Um, the accent that Chris Hemsworth has is a little odd. He sounds a little bit like Sylvester Stallone or something. He, he, <laughs> in his way to sound like an American, he, you know, tries, he has a little bit of that, you know, tough guy thing, you know. Uh, he doesn't sound like Sylvester all the way, but he has a little bit of that, like, as if he has, like, a New York accent for some reason. Um, maybe that's how he thinks Americans talk. Um, but I, I did like it. I think that there's some really strong action that happens. Um, the camera has... The, he really knows how to direct a scene pretty well. That really carries it. Uh, to a good point uh the climax is really good uh um and um yeah i actually kind of recommend it now it's already kind of left theaters so you know you might have to wait till video to see it but when he if you can catch on video it's a it's a perfectly fine rental and uh that's how i would describe the movie all right well one of the movies i watched this week was a classic from the 80s repo man oh Sometimes I try to do things and it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. And I get real frustrated. And like, I try hard to do it and I like take my time but it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. It's like I concentrate on real hard but it just doesn't work out. And everything I do and everything I try, it never turns out. It's like I need time to figure these things out. There's always someone there going, hey Mike, you know, we've been noticing you've been having a lot of problems lately, you know? get away and like maybe you should talk about it you'll feel a lot better and i go no it's okay you know i'll figure it out just leave me alone 
Uh, and it's, it's going a... back to like something ludicrous, like from the 1950s, like an old science fiction movie, like, uh, oh, there are aliens and the government's looking for them. And Watchmen was kind of like, oh, superheroes. And he, and they're still we're dealing with that. And it's this, this very, this twisted, cynical take on both. Your ta- you, I think what you tapped into was that they're very satirical films and they're, you know, Repo Man also has the look of a comic book. In fact, uh, the director, Alex Cox, when he first pitched the movie to Universal, actually used, like, he kind of made up, like, a rough comic book huh. to sort of show them what it would look like um, as far as, you know, how it would be presented. So I think that is sort of what you were tapping into. And again, also, Watchmen, you have these characters who are, uh, you know, frankly, uh, you know, screw up, screwed up people right. who are kind of, you know... On the fringes. Now, the difference in Watchmen is that they're superheroes. In you could almost say that in their own right, the Repo Men are a kind of superhero group. Uh, it's just that they, they you know, have the people don't. They like have them. very unusual jobs, and they live on the fringes of society. Yeah, and nobody nobody wants their car repossessed. No, so you know, and you have even that Emilio Estevez uh, at the beginning says, I- "I'm not going to be a Repo Man." They give him a beer, and he pours it out on on the ground. Yeah, I remember that. And that's another thing that struck me about this film. The super generic labels for all the foods. Yeah, that's great. Beer. <laughs> yes. And uh, pasta. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. Yeah, well, that's... And like... he's eating, like... And he's at home, and he's eating just, like, this stew out of a can. That's just, like, this white label with some blue lines on it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just... And it's not just that it's generic packaging, it's bare minimum super (laughs) nondescript packaging. So, so generic that it stands out. It's a deadpan satire of consumerism, and and it almost was kind of prophetic to how, you know, nowadays in movies, product placement is just, you know, everywhere. Especially in, you know, goddamn Michael Bay movies. But here you have a movie where characters are eating food and drinking stuff, and they didn't have to pay for any of that because there are no labels. Yeah. Um, well, I remember you this don't movie... pay for anything with product placement. The the the, the companies give you money to place. No, their but but you know what I mean though. There is still like this corporate agreement there. Um, that well, I don't they know give about you that. money to help finance the film in order to show their products prominently. That's what product placement's all about. Yes. You don't have to pay them to do it. No, but if but I know from making movies that if you feature a product in a movie, if you haven't gotten permission to use it, then that can be a problem. Okay. So well, that's kind of well, what we I'm can get back to Return to the Killer Tomatoes for uh, <laughs> for reference on that. Uh, there, I like Repo Man a lot. I, I, there are some parts of the movie that are almost so weird that I don't know what to make of them. Like I remember there, there's like... There's this one sequence that takes place in a convenience store with these characters who are just, like, saying really crazy shit. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure. Are you talking about, like, those three punks that were Otto's friends? And they keep keep robbing the same liquor store? Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I think there was a series of scenes... In the convenience store. I, I, I love the line they have. It's like, they get blown off by Otto and his friends. Oh, yeah. They're like, come on, let's go commit some crimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, and also the other thing about this movie. And like, it's kind of it's... satirizing the punks a little bit. Oh yeah, because, no, it is. And it's not, it's not just a satire of regular 
mainstream society. It's also satirizing the punks. Go listen to the song that's in the movie uh, TV Party by uh, Black Flag. There's actually a part where Emilio Estevez is kind of drunk walking around and he's yelling out names of TV shows. Yeah. And that's the song TV Party by this group Black Flag. And that's actually kind of a satirical song about, I guess, just hanging out with nothing to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's... Emilio Estevez, he starts out as a punk and then he becomes this repo man. And it's not, it's, and it's not like he, he, it's not like he's like mainstream. He's not, he's not like, uh, like a mainstream person and he's not just a punk. He's, he's just like a person. I, he finds some purpose. Yeah. He finds some purpose, but he's not like just a punk, you know, spouting punk wisdom or anything like Bob Dylan in the sixties or anything. (laughs) He's not like this counterculture, uh, Messiah or anything. He's not Marlon Brando in the Wild One. No, and he's not this person who's like fighting against the punks and sort of like this sort of like oh all these bikers are gonna come and destroy our. I don't, I'm getting off. The, well, off no, track. but the thing but about he's not fighting against then. either. He's kind of like trapped between both of them, and he and it's just the story about this one person trying to find his way through life. Yes, and uh, he uh, he's just lots of weird yeah. shit is around him. Yeah. That's and it's funny because this movie was also kind of ins- inspirational for me, not completely, but a little bit for a script that I wrote that hopefully that I could try to get made one day. Uh, uh, I don't know if I should talk too much about it, but in, it involves like a uh, like a driving instructor who is also trying to find her way through life, and she's kind of a punk rocker and starts giving driving lessons to an alien, and uh, <laughs> and two hard boiled eggs. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I, and Harry, I mean, how good is Harry Dean Stanton in this movie? Uh, he's good. He's so much fun. That like I rewatched part of this movie. I think maybe a year ago. Um, that first scene, like the scene where he's kind of explaining what it is to be a Repo Man to Emilio Estevez. Yeah, that's so good. He's he looks out. Good. He looks out of his window at like these. At some cops, I think, trying to help out this you know couple with a flat tire, and he says, eh, "Normal people, I hate them." <laughs> <laughs> this movie intrigued me. I didn't respond to it as, as as strongly as you did, but I think this for me is a prime candidate for the the cinema immersion tank. Watch that it you... five days in a row, because Man. I feel like I could get I could I could get more out of this. I've really, but you know it. it you really need to delve into it. Yeah, well, I, I think if you did that, you would come out at the end of it with, like, a mohawk or something yeah. like that. Well, um, that's a risk I'm just willing to take, Jack. Yeah. And now, one, how about a movie from you? Yes. Well, one last thing to say, though. Check out the soundtrack to that movie, because that's oh, that, one of the best soundtracks That was another thing I noticed. Of like, the 80s. Th- that one part where Otto was making love to his girlfriend, and then, like, he goes and comes back, and it's, like, just that guy sort of talking. It's like, sometimes I try really hard, and then I screw up. That's the same song that was in the beginning of Iron Man. Yes, it was. Which, yeah. By Social Distortion. Yes. Yes. So, I thought so, that was worth mentioning. Yes. All right. So, um, now, originally, I was going to have an- a- another movie to talk about next, but because you're talking about the but 80s. Instead of a movie, I'm going to talk about... I'm going to talk Toast. About... What? Toast. Instead of a movie, I'm going to talk about toast. Yeah, it's so hard to get a good piece of toast. And you know, not agree. burned. Um, so, movie. Okay, but talking about the 80s uh, reminds me that I just saw a movie 
uh, this past weekend called A Most Violent Year. Now, uh, this is a new film uh, starring Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. <laughs> this is probably one you're going to regret. Excuse me? My husband's an honorable man. We're not who you think we are. I think I know your father. Good for you. My husband is not my father. Not even close. So if I were you, I would start treating us with a little more respect or I guarantee he will make it his mission in life to ruin you. This was very disrespectful. And it's set in 1981 in New York. Um, now, the title refers to the fact that in New York City at that time, violence was really up. And it was a pretty violent time. Yeah, it was and a good vintage of violence. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but with this, but this movie, it's an interesting thing because it doesn't have a lot of violence in it per se, um, but it concerns kind of uh, people working in a business. Like Oscar Isaac runs uh, this company that where uh, involving oil, like shipping oil tankers. Uh, you know, you see people on the roads around here driving like an oil tank, and that's basically what he does. He has kind of like a a small, very Tanker small trucks. oil refinery. Yeah, and his oil, his drivers keep on getting robbed on the road. Like people kind of keep stopping the oil truck drivers and robbing the trucks to get the oil away. Um, what? And it's uh, like in the Fast and the Furious Four. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I I have not. We, we that have movie a giant. We have a giant trailer with six tankers, which is completely drivable. <laughs> We're going to rob this like it's a train. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, that is what happens in that movie. Oh, oh see, I saw that the movie the one the time, and I, you know, it was not bad, but I have not much memory except Vin Diesel was in it, and Paul Walker was Paul Walker, and that was it. Um, okay, but about this movie, uh, so. Oscar Isaac runs this company, and it kind of follows um, his life in basically a couple of weeks. And it's kind of following him in a crunch period. And it's like kind of like the worst time of his life right now, where uh, he has this deal uh, to buy a much bigger plot of land right next to him that can hold all of this oil and that he can you know, finally get on his feet a little bit better. Um and you know while this is happening, uh, the uh, the Justice Department is going after him to investigate him for fraud or that he doesn't have uh, all of the correct numbers in his books that he's been kind of skimming things or not doing things correctly in that way. Jessica Chastain plays his wife and she also runs all of this uh, with him. Uh, and then he also finds out that because of uh, these people stealing from him he doesn't know who's stealing from him or who like these people 
if it might be other rival oil dealers in the area um, or who it is, but it's all kind of affecting him. And then something happens with the bank that he's trying to get a loan. And then, you know, now he has to look for money. And so all these things are happening around him. And uh, the movie is basically just charting, you know, how is this guy going to get out of this? Now, you, now, the thing is, is he's kind of surrounded by criminal elements. You, you almost think that it's like a gangster movie. But the thing is, is that he's he's a, a character who's a sympathetic gangster. In a way. He's someone who doesn't even see himself as a gangster. Now, they're almost always going to take you to the dining room table, and they're going to offer you something. Whatever it is, always take the fancy option. Can I get you a coffee or a tea? I would like a tea, please. We have some homemade lemonade or a soda. I would love a lemonade. Thank you. Why? Because we're never going to be the cheapest option, so we have to be the best. And they want... No. They need to feel that you want the best, too. That's why our trucks are the newest or the cleanest, and our drivers are approachable. Now, after you've done the math and you've shown them how much they can save over the long haul through proper maintenance, you need to get them to sign. But the problem is, by hiring you, they need to fire someone else. And that's never easy. So, after you show them the number, you look up at them and stare. Stare longer than you should. Even though that's kind of what he is. He doesn't use violence against people. He sees himself as this respectable guy, um actually from like a Hispanic guy. So he's kind of immigrated to the United States, but he's kind of like the anti Scarface where it's like, instead of I'm going to use violence and do all this Coke and rise my way to the top. This he, guy is more like, I want to just run a legitimate business. I want everything nice and clean. I want to get my money and get my business and that's it. But it's like his wife is the daughter of an ex mobster um, he's surrounded again by all these elements. You know, he probably does have shady business that he may, he, maybe he knows about, maybe he doesn't. And yet he, the way he composes himself, um, when you, you say know. he's the anti Scarface, it makes me think he sucks bullets out of people with his gun <laughs> and that he blows cocaine out of his nose. And they can't touch each other, because if they do, the antimatter explosion will destroy the Earth. Uh, yeah. Um, so what did you think of this that. movie? Okay, because I'm trying to wrap my... You give me all these concepts, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. You're giving me images that look like uh, Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's why I stay backwards. Yes. Um, okay, but... This movie is was great. This movie, this was one of the best films I this. I had to kind of adjust my top ten of last year. This uh, Oscar Isaac, uh, he's this actor who um, he's been in a number of movies. He was in the Coen Brothers movie last year called Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, he played and that was a very different character where he was like this uh, down his luck folk singer. Uh, he was also in the movie Drive. Actually, he was in. Of all things, and I didn't remember this until I was reminded of it recently, he was actually in Robin Hood, the Ridley Scott Robin Hood. And there I think he played the villain. He was he was the guy in the trailer who, he was like, I am going to call him an outlaw! 
<laughs> it would be great if like they cut off that scene obviously for the trailer, but it'd be great if when you see that scene in the movie, he goes ah, ah, and then after like after a minute of screaming, he explodes. <laughs> See, Ridley Scott, that would have spiced up your historical epic film. <laughs> no, no, no. What you do is... <laughs> no, at a certain point, he says outlaw so long, the alien pops out of his head. I like exploding better. Okay. Um, and he'll also be in uh, the new Star Wars movie. Oh, okay. In a role I don't know what, but um, he is incredible He's in playing a do-back. At least I hope not. I, the way that he comes off in this movie, like he's a super charming guy. But what's interesting is that he underplays a lot of stuff. And you know, I like seeing an actor who can convey a lot of inner conflict, and yet he keeps a lot of it inside. He he has almost like a Michael Corleone thing in the Godfather too. No, not quite like that. Really understated. God, it's four years later. He he can grow as an actor. <laughs> Why I oughta? <laughs> okay, but going back to Oscar Isaac, he plays this character, and he's the he's the character who has to keep his cool under pressure. He's the guy who. You know, everything is coming apart around him. He could be going to jail for a while. He could be losing his business. But he's going to try and keep afloat. And there are scenes here where he is just so intense. But he, again, oh, you know, he doesn't explode. He keeps, but he's one of these guys who, you know, will look at you. He's very intense. And all that stuff. And so he has that. And you also pair him up with Jessica Chastain. And she is. I also this... just got an image of him. I'm an oil man. Oh well, yeah, no, well that's something my... else. See, I actually thought of there will be blood watching this movie as this is kind of like if uh, Sidney Lumet made like there will be blood. Oh, cool. If he kind of placed it in, you know, Sidney Lumet made a lot of you know kind of thrillers in the 70s and 80s. I'm thinking like Serpico, uh, Prince of the City, uh, a few other ones, and this has a little bit of that feel. It's it's a movie that takes its time to tell its story, but you're completely wrapped up in it. The script has just amazing, believable dialogue. I mentioned Jessica Chastain. She's she's a person who I feel got snubbed seriously at the Oscars. She's really great here. She plays his wife, and it's the kind of thing where she's the one really pulling the strings. Not, not quite to Lady Macbeth links, but I could see the comparison being made there in a way. Um, and it's just a, it's, I like seeing a movie where characters have a lot of stakes and a lot of consequences to face. And this is one where it just keeps piling up and you actually are behind this guy. He's not a scummy gangster. And I mentioned Scarface. The reason that that movie kind of doesn't work for me is because I just kind of don't like that character. And, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend it that you all check it out, especially if you like these, you know, really slick movies. And I mentioned the 1980s because, again, it takes place in 1981. Um, maybe in a way it it's almost as much about the 1970s, too, 
uh, you know, the, the, the characters often look back on how, oh, 1975, that was a great year. Yeah. And now we're in 1981. God damn it. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and it feels like it was shot then. It has that look and feel, um, you know, down to the, the look of the, the places that they work at, live in, how they're dressed. Um, I always wonder about things like that because, <clears> I mean, when, when you do a period piece, you have to have good costuming. Now, it's easier when you have, you know, the 1700s or Victorian England. Yeah, you just go into the wardrobe and pull out this or that. Right, you pull out the costume that you had from the last movie. But uh, when, But when you have something like a decade, when you think about a film like Argo, and how do you nail the look of the 1970s? And it's hard because yeah, you know, the 70s have a style, but when you're living through a, like a certain period of time and there's a style, you don't notice it. No. I, 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 most of my childhood was spent in the 1990s. I couldn't tell you what 90s <clears throat> clothes are. Flannel? I guess. <laughs> I don't think I saw a single scrap of flannel when I was when I was a yeah, kid. You weren't in the right circle. No, I was not in Seattle. <laughs> you didn't even. You had older siblings, though. Didn't you notice the kind of clothes they wore? No, <laughs> I didn't care about what my sisters wore. Yes, but uh, I, I, I get what you're saying, though. For a movie, in a way, having it not be that soon apart makes it a little more difficult. Right. I mean, granted, you know, you could probably find any old hipster. And they're wearing clothing from the seventies, or it made maybe. it look like it is. I mean, but that's not, that's that's not on that's on purpose, and basically depends on the luck of the draw. I mean, there are certain fashions that belong in certain eras, like you could talk about styles of the sixties, like bell bottom jeans, yeah. or you could talk about poodle skirts from the nineteen fifties, or or zoot suits from the forties. But like those are like sort of like yeah, zoot suits. Uh, never mind. Uh, but uh, those are those are very exaggerated things and very dated things. Yeah. Uh, and that's something you'd have if you had like a caricature of a decade. Yeah. Uh, so you go back to like 1981. It's like, Oh, well it wasn't that long ago. I mean, no, but it and helps. It, that, and, but the thing, that and how helps, do you show though. like, and how do you show people in a serious thriller or drama wearing serious clothes that people of the day would have worn people who would have thought they were normal and weren't following any sort of fashion trend it's a very um, subtle thing and i'm and you know the difference psychically even if you don't read even if it doesn't like spring consciously in your mind you know you can say yeah that's in the 70s they're wearing 70s clothes and you can't tell them like 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 from and you can't point to it and say yeah that's 70s i could see what you're saying i think the one Plus side for that is that you have people working on movies who live through that time as well. That's the one plus side. I mean, you don't have, unless if you have like a time ward working on your movie, you don't have anyone who was working in the 1700s on a movie hmm. or lived through that period, I mean to say. I, I guess I, I guess it does basically have to have to do with fashion expertise. I mean, there are people who dedicate their lives to understanding fashion. Yeah, well, that's what and, costume designers do. Yeah, they, so they go through like they either find clothes in places or they have them made based on drawings they make or research they do. Yeah, it's and, just like and anything maybe else. for them, it's just something that 
yeah, they know how to do it. They're trained. They've researched. They've done all that stuff. But for me, a person who knows very little about clothes, mm. who, who doesn't even buy his own clothes, yeah. Well, the day that <laughs> it's you, something uh... that that really impresses me. Oh yeah, no. Well, and that's there's something to be uh... said about that. Anytime oh, you sure. see, anytime you see a film that's from that takes place in a yeah. certain dec- certain decade, and they nail mm-hmm. that fashion, you should be conscious yeah. of that and realize that it's mm-hmm. not uh, that there is a there is a there is like a costuming Oscar for. A reason. For a reason. Yeah. I mean, and it's, uh, um, and it's interesting you bring this up because it suddenly makes me think about how, uh, last year there was another movie, uh, set around that time, American Hustle, which also featured a lot of very gaudy 1970s clothes. And I think that was for a different purpose. Here, in this movie, things are, again, a lot more subtle and a lot more stripped down. It's um, subtle costuming that takes the real effort. It does, it does. And especially, this wasn't a movie made on a huge budget. You know, I mentioned that there are some recognizable names. Um, actually, uh, Albert Brooks is also in a supporting role in the movie. And this other actor, uh, David Owoyelo. I'm going to fuck up his name. David Owoyelo. Uh, I hope I got that right. David Mellow Yellow. <laughs> Quite nice. Uh, right. But I'm going to bring him up again in another movie. But the point is... Go see A Most Violent Ear. It's one of the most spectacular, slow-burn movies I've seen in a while.